0: If you don't have this, someone you know does. One in four people over the age of 65 have diabetes. The American Diabetes Association uh, recently had a study that shows diabetes will increase four and a half fold by 2050. Unbelievable. And not only is it... It's a terrible thing to live with. It's debilitating, it's expensive, and it increases substantially your risk for heart disease, stroke, kidney failure, much, much, much more. So today we have a very special guest with us, Andrew Allen of Spruce Health Group in Colorado. And we're gonna talk about some technology aiming to solve the puzzle of diabetes and metabolism. What? Stick with us. This incredible show made possible by our wonderful sponsors, Assured Senior Living, Love, It's What We Do, and Serenity Engage, where care connects. Now, a brief message from Serenity Engage. Serenity connects aging service providers, older adults, and their loved ones in a single network. Our web, mobile, and smart assistance products power the network that enables real-time, HIPAA-compliant communication, collaboration, and education. When we care together, providers increase revenue and lower expenses, older adults receive better care, and family has greater peace of mind.
1: Welcome back, and I'm so excited. Not only do we have an amazing guest, but we're here together in
0: person. I know, we Uh, haven't had someone live in a really long time. And so we're keeping this going
1: here with Bright Spots, and we really wanna keep focusing on the amazing things we have going on in the community, healthcare, senior living, all that good stuff. And remember, bright spots are about from the book with Dan and Heath Chip, Chip and Dan Heath, excuse me. And we want to focus on you know the positives that we see, not always these negatives. And example we like to use is a son or daughter comes home with a bunch of A's and B's and has that one maybe D or F and figuring out what is driving those A's and B's, not focusing so much on those D's and F's. So with that, let's welcome Dr. Andrew Allen of the Spruce Healthcare Group.
0: Welcome to the show, Andrew.
2: Thank you very much for having me. This is an amazing opportunity and it's great to be able to reach out and speak to the healthcare community about you know, diabetes and kind of the the future of it and how to how to make changes.
1: Absolutely. So uh, kind of before we are talking, what what is this metabolic health what, like what is why does it matter?
2: Well, so we're taking a look at the person as an individual, and we're trying to actually do stuff for that person on a metabolic level that uh, is something other than symptom suppression. We're not just trying to knock down an A1C. We're mm-hmm. not just trying to, you know, get their their blood sugar levels, you know, perfected or any of that kind of stuff. We're trying to actually take it down to the base level where the insulin insensitivity is the focus of what we're trying to, you know, attack and treat. Mm. And we're doing so by utilizing insulin as a hormone rather than as a drug. So we're essentially mimicking the pancreas with an external pump. So we're trying to take, yeah, we're attacking diabetes, but we're really getting down to that, you know, base level of what is the, you know, the cause and effect.
0: So, let me ask a question. How is that different than the way it is handled today?
2: Um, we deal with diabetes as you a know, lo- lo- diet, exercise, medications, and all are good things, and I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that, oh, you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that. <laughs> um, our treatment is more of an adjunct therapy to those other treatments. Of course you need do- to change your diet, but the question is how? Of course you need to exercise, but how? What medications do you need to take? How are they affecting you otherwise? And those are questions that the, you know, the person who is affected by diabetes needs to ask. They need to be their own advocate. And we like to come alongside those treatments and really try and focus on the individual and get them to not just, again, knock down the A1C, but to have them feel better, to have the peripheral neuropathy go down, have their hypertension decrease. Those are the other kinds of things that are caused by insulin insensitivity and hyperinsulinemia. So we're trying to, you know, attack that, you know, the healthcare issue, you know, for that person.
1: Okay. So let's go back. You just threw a lot at us, which is is, uh, is kind of, it's awesome, but I want to break it down kind of very simple. So if I'm a diabetic, does this change the number of times I need to either stick myself a day or inject myself with insulin? Does this give me another alternative to three times a day I have to check my blood sugar, twice a day I have to do injections?
2: So it's going to help you be a better diabetic is the way I like to phrase it. Okay. We're not going to stop you from being, being a diabetic, you have the genetics. This is what your, you know, your health is. And so our goal is to help you control your blood sugar better, decrease your nighttime insulin, Mm. take down your metformin, stop taking other meds. You know, we're also going to help coach you and have you exercise properly, diet properly, possibly join a weight loss program. Those are the kinds of things that are, are like basically surround that patient mm. with the appropriate level of care so that, yeah, of course we can take those numbers down and we can actually improve your medication use over time. And mm. so the, the commitment is on that person to actually join us. Mm.
0: So I didn't know what an a one c was, A1C. 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 A1C, A1C, see I still don't know what it is, <laughs> an A1C until my dad had type 2 diabetes, and moving into an assisted living, he required home health to come in and mm-hmm. give him his shots every day, mm-hmm. and that's a struggle, and we really watched him with the comorbidities and going downhill, so can you talk... Um, a little more tactically about what it would look like for someone in that sort of a position, because many 65 and over who have type 2 are in that sort of a position, whether they're at home or whether they're in an assisted living or or residential right. care. Mm-hmm. What does this look like and how does it change their life in a way and, and, and over what period of time?
2: So... The, the changes that we're looking to establish for that person, of course, in terms of, uh, you know, objective outcome measures, we want them to be able to control that A1C. A1C is an average over the course of months of what their blood sugar is. We want to be able to control their daily values as well. And so we can have that person not be hyper or hypo and have them control that number better. And when they can do that, they're going to take less insulin overall. Hmm. They're going to take, you know, the uh, ability that their body is going to um, manage their blood sugar better for them. Um, That's, again, where the the treatment would be, you know, we're trying to get it to where it's brought to them. But right now, we have to have the people come into the clinic, um, and we establish, you know, a a care plan for them, treat them approximately once a week. Uh, We have... People who respond really well can go down to once every two weeks, Hmm. once every three weeks. And it is a two to three hour session in our office where they are infused with insulin, very low doses of insulin, again, utilizing it as a hormone rather than as a drug. And this is going to help retrain all of their cells to use insulin and therefore bring that glucose in as energy. Wow.
1: It still goes back to insulin as a hormone versus a drug. That still is like a recurring theme yeah. that I, I'm, I'm, you know, how, so the body uses a hormone versus this drug differently. Is that kind of what's happening for us that are not as clinical? <laughs> so
2: it's a, it's as simple as um, we're utilizing insulin. And the uh, analogy I like to use is a person is you know using running to train. Okay. So if I'm running sprints, I'm training one way. If I'm running a for a marathon, I'm training another way. Mm-hmm. And so the running a sprint is the diabetic that puts 40 to 50 units in their arm, you know, on a day-over-day basis. They're overwhelming their system mm-hmm. and they are forcing those insulin receptors to work. Okay. Whereas what we're doing is taking that methodical, you know, marathon type approach where it's very small doses of insulin over the course of long periods of time and we're retraining those cells. Where we have a training effect of where the cells receptors begin to actually respond to insulin again.
0: Hmm. So the, so it's an infusion and it's done weekly or maybe every other week over three, six months period and you're measuring and then what? Um,
2: So we, I I like to make the joke that, uh, you know, being a diabetic is a lifetime commitment. And so we we have it's to, trails. and they're going to have to continue taking their medication. And as I said, we're more of an adjunct therapy coming alongside that. So we are something that that person is going to need to do, you know, for the you know foreseeable future. And they need to get in on a once a week, once every two weeks basis, where they are going to, you know, come under care and basically stay there. We are going to, as I said, help them with the diet, the exercise, the weight loss, um, and Help them manage their numbers better.
0: So let's talk about this Ozempic thing that is out there. Everybody is talking mm. about Ozempic for weight loss. So that is right. a a drug that is used to help control diabetes. Um, when you think about things like that, and and we were talking earlier about the you know the fat that that midsection. accumulates around the midsection, mm-hmm. how does this help with? That and because that is is basically caused by insulin uh, resilience is what we hear on TV, right. but you called it something different. So
2: insulin insensitivity or insensitivity. insulin resistance, mm-hmm. and so Ozempic works. It just does. Uh, and we have the you know the people on the red carpet out there with normal insulin sensitivity. They are taking uh, Ozempic or Semaglutide you know, as a weight loss drug. And and that's essentially what it is. And we're, we're finding that, yeah, it it works. And if we can decrease that overall, you know, midsection, you know, fat, that overall weight gain that, um, you know, that person is going to be slowly become resensitized to their insulin because they have, You know, a lower body fat count. So
1: I want to go something we talked before the show. You said normal glucose levels were what back in the early 2000s? What was what was that exact stat that blew my mind? 200. 200 was normal back in what 2000? When was it 2000? 2000. 2000. So 23 years ago. Right. What is normal today? No
2: one was concerned about
1: it. Okay. What's normal today? Uh,
2: 90 to 100. So half. Right.
1: Wow, I just—I mean, just think about that. Like, less than half. Less yeah. than half. Just think about that as a viewer right now. If you, one of the reasons maybe we're seeing more type two diabetics or more of these issues is because blood sugars were higher than what we know now to be better.
2: The the knowledge has grown, and we're paying more attention to these numbers, and we're we're more, we have more ability to pay attention to these numbers. You know, uh, you were saying earlier that you, hmm. your PCP does a blood test every year. Those are the kinds of things that preventative monitoring is crucial to prevention, you know, of, of such a, a terrible disease.
0: And and the part of the reason we talked about that blood test is because it's very difficult to detect this until it's there, right. right? So there are not symptoms that you're seeing, that you're experiencing that make you go, oh, I need to go to the doctor until you're having experiences that right. are, oh, my gosh, I need to right. go to the doctor.
2: Right. We have that that uh and, and humans just do this we're going to minimize our symptoms oh i'm feeling fatigued you know oh i got a little bit of brain fog you know oh, i'm right. peeing a little extra or right. or, or something like yeah. that and you just wave it all off right it's like yeah. it's not a big deal like, not it's a big just deal. part of aging yeah, exactly yeah. thank you it's just yeah. part of getting old it's <laughs> yeah. just part of getting old and so we you know we tend to wave these things off until the point of Oh, crap, I, my A1C is high doc. I had no idea. right. You know my triglycerides are high. I had no idea. And so that's where um, you know again, it's let's keep check on people and, and have a preventative approach mm. so that we can actually should, you know, stop someone from having a kidney transplant.
1: So with that, should most of us be getting, I mean, I, I do, I get yearly physicals that have blood tests, but should everybody pretty much be getting that on a yearly basis?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. I would hundred percent agree with that.
1: So one takeaway here for our viewers is, you know, this is it. You're hearing it right here. Prevention, proactiveness. We always preach, let's be more proactive in what we're doing. Right. So number one thing you can do is if you get a regular annual physical and get some blood work and if your doctor doesn't do it, ask him or her to, Hey doc, can we do something like I want to know more? I, I love data. So the more I figure the more data I can get, right. the better decisions we can make maybe not today, but I'll have a great baseline. Maybe in 10 years ago, whoa, like mine's elevated, why?
0: Super important. And we talked about the genetics. So some of this is just genetic. You have a predisposition. Mm -hmm. Some of it is lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, just learning about those things and monitoring your own stats, like we were talking about your sleep stats Mm -hmm. and things like that. So there's so many more tools out there for people to monitor their own stats. Do you have any favorites that you would recommend to people who are in that type two range or pre-diabetic and may not know it?
2: Um, in terms of monitoring your stats, you're, it's going to have to be a blood test, you know, okay. from mm-hmm. kind of a medical perspective. Uh, they are coming up with some super cool technology that is going to be, you know, wrist, you know, cool. monitoring blood flow. Um, and oh, the uh, the it kind of jumps to that Freestyle Libre type of, huh. you know, uh, approach where the person checks their blood sugar on a regular basis. Oh. Um that continuous monitoring is something that even Medicare is now allowing type two diabetics to get a continuous monitor because it's better to know that my blood sugar is going up rather than have it be here. Right. It's better to know my blood sugar is going down than have it be way down here. So that continuous monitoring is something that is, you know, a technology driven entity Mm -hmm. and they're starting to actually, you know, there's guys that worked on satellites that, you know, for, you know, 30,000 feet above 60,000 feet above the earth's, they're, they're working on technology that is now on the wrist that actually is monitoring the insulin levels and the and the, the uh, A1C the glucose levels in your blood on a moment over moment basis every the the one that I'm talking about um, it looks at it every 16 seconds. Wow it's a little big and clunky right now um, and it's in you know it's in the test phase. Uh. Um, But it would be super cool to be able to have that for everybody, for me, for you. for I'm an older man. My A1C, you know, my blood sugar could be high. And I wouldn't know it without checking it on a regular basis. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. My mind is blown.
0: Uh Like, just... This is technology that has been worked on and this is how cars operate too, yep. right? Mm-hmm. You know, you, yeah. you start out with the electronic locks and they're on the luxury model. Yeah. <laughs> and then pretty soon they become normal. Yeah. I would wear some big chunky yes, thing would. on my wrist too. Yes. I know yes. I'm a I'm a gadget girl. Um, but I love that too, and I yeah. love the stats. And and what you said, Francis, is so true that when you're paying attention to your own stats. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like in business, what you measure um yeah. is is what you improve. Yep. so measuring and monitoring. and the the fact that we that it was two hundred was the acceptable a one c level glucose level um in the year two thousand and now it's half or less than that. What do you think? so obviously, we have more people who are now diagnosed with type mm-hmm. two diabetes, but, what impact was that having on our bodies when 200 was the acceptable level?
2: Well, and I think that we're, again, as, as I said, we're paying closer attention to the numbers and what effect they have on our body. And so we're noticing that, hey, those numbers are not acceptable. And so they're lowering the number down slowly over time, you know, and, and I say slowly over time, you know, over the course of decades. Um, and we're realizing that, you know, lower numbers are better for, you know, some of the things. We're, we're changing our blood work numbers. And I made the joke earlier that, you know, that a, a normal lab is the precursor to chronic disease.
0: So, it's a great soundbite, and it's true. We have to pay attention, and
2: there just isn't enough medical care out there that the concept is prevention. That's where, you know, the most difficult part when I do talks with people is, Hey, you know what? You have to be your own advocate. You have to ask questions. You have to expect more. You have to look for these things so that you know that you're not all of a sudden surprised that your A1C, you know, is seven. You know, oh, I had
0: no idea. And so. and that's that's just as bad or worse, right? If mm-hmm. it's really low. Right. Okay. So and I have, you know, we've talked about type two diabetes a lot, but I have people in my life with type one diabetes who oh are, you know, they've struggled their whole life with it and always will, Mm -hmm. does this infusion help with type 1 as well? It can help with type
2: 1 because we're helping that person resensitize their system to insulin. Again, so the type 1 does not have insulin being produced by the pancreas. Mm. And that is obviously the biggest of the problems their cells themselves will still get desensitized to insulin over time the type one is going to have to escalate the insulin that they take in over the course of years and so what we can do is we can help that person control their moment over moment blood glucose levels which is going to translate into a better a1c which is the average Mm -hmm. and we can help that person take less medications less frequently those mm-hmm. are the types of things that we're looking to do for this person so that they become again i use the phrase we make them a better diabetic hmm. we make them you know handle their problem better we're never curing them there isn't a medical cure for this um but Yet. you know we're yep trying to actually help that person manage their numbers better, more effectively.
1: And with that, I think it's kind of self-explanatory, but I'm going to ask the question, what do you think makes this you know, such an amazing bright spot in healthcare and aging and all that
2: stuff? Um, I think this makes a bright spot for, uh, I guess the, the hope is there that I can actually attack that diabetic predisposition that we have in our society and do something about it sooner. Oh. Um, and again, that comes with monitoring that comes with, mm-hmm. you know, proper diet, exercise, all of the things that we know we should do and the things that we don't. Do. Yep. You know, those are the issues that that, you know, comes right down to in terms of let's look at this as something that is a new technology that can help people thrive instead of just survive.
1: I love it. Thrive versus survive. I love it. I love it. And so, uh, Andrew, how can they learn more uh, about, you know, your group and what you're doing and what's the best way?
2: Um, So, of course, going to the website, you know, sprucehealthgroup.com is a a way to do it. Um, We have various presentations that we, you know, um, have on the site. We have some YouTube stuff. But, um, you uh, you know, for right now, I'm the front man for this diabetic program. And I would say, you know, just reach out to one of our offices, and they will get you in touch with me directly. That's fine too. Um, I I just I feel very passionate about this, and I think that this is something that we can address. I mean, the numbers you had said earlier—it's going to be 4.5 times worse, you know, by the year 2050. It's already one dollar in every four spent on healthcare in this country is diabetically related. And some type of, whether it's, you know, dialysis from chronic kidney disease or some type of amputation or some related stroke or cardiovascular event, Mm -hmm. we spend 25% of our healthcare (sighs) on this disease.
0: So if we want to control costs, that's one way to do it. I have one quick comment and one quick question. Um, Who pays for it is the comment, and that is insurance does pay for it.
2: So insurance does pay for it, which is everybody's always surprised. I'm like, I'm talking to them. I was
0: surprised. That's why I wanted to call it out so people know this is not necessarily out of pocket. No, this is not out of pocket.
2: Um, Medicare covers it. Medicaid covers it. Uh, TRICARE, 90% of other insurances That's are covering aw- it. That is
1: awesome just as a yeah. side note.
2: Well, and and it makes sense because what are people dying from? Right. They're dying from diabetic.
1: Or, metabolic, or conditions it, right? exactly, uh-huh. metabolic
2: conditions tied to it, right? Exactly. Metabolic conditions tied to it. Metabolic syndrome is a diagnosis that is out there that is running rampant through our society. Yeah. And diabetes is a level, a component of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, so could we address this in a better manner, absolutely, and you know the uh, you know the things that we can do um, and do this for that individual and have it be paid for is it, it does it's really impactful for people because That's awesome. now it's not out of pocket it is based on healthcare and their healthcare dollars are going towards it.
0: I do have one question. I know we're running a little over time. Frank, questions, captains like... never have questions. So this is in Colorado. <clears throat> the business is in Colorado, and um, mainly in the Denver metro area, a little bit north and south. What about people who are in other states?
2: So, uh, so we're just a um, a provider of this in Colorado. We didn't come up with the technology. This uh, this company WellSell, out in uh, Houston, Texas, they developed the program and we just brought it on because we got so excited about it. Um, my medical director, Dr. Paz and I just, we saw this and the changes in physiology were unbelievable. And so we had to bring it on. We are just one of more than 200 clinics, but the focus of the clinics is in the Southeast Mm. down Louisiana, Mississippi, Georgia, Texas, Um, Where diabetes is even worse than it is here. Higher concentration. Higher concentration.
0: Good. That's. I I wanted to make sure our audience knew that you don't have to be in Colorado to take advantage of this. And thank you for bringing it to our audience and sharing this really new technology and groundbreaking approach to the way we look at treating uh, diabetes. Thank yeah. you. Thank you very much for having yeah. me. Yeah, so we may have run out of time for our Maverick. I comments. think we can do a quick do one. Do? Let's do okay, it real let, quick here. Let's, let's have be you super do it.
1: simple. All right. So um, I had hit it on affordability. So I just saw this article on the Washington Post this morning, or was it yesterday. Assisted living homes are rejecting Medicaid and evicting seniors. Let me read that again. Assisted living homes are rejecting Medicaid and evicting seniors.
0: How can they do that? I, I and still,
1: why? Uh, because what's happening is there's been residents that have drained all their income, right? To be private pay. And then right, sounds like right before, right after they're getting rejected and, and discharged or evicted because they, I'm assuming with rising costs, Medicaid, they there's looking as a financial, that Medicaid's not paying enough. And instead of honoring what maybe was said, was it contractual though? I don't know. I mean, the article has some good points in it, but I want to dive a little deeper because that's a concern if We're promising people spend down to Medicaid, and then all of a sudden, you can't do that?
0: And then they've spent down, and and they have no resources.
1: And in Colorado, that's a a problem we have. That We're not having the same type of problem, but we're losing Medicaid beds. We've lost 300 in January alone because reimbursements are not keeping up with the cost of care, period.
0: So when you say we're losing them, it's because uh, the providers of the care can't afford it they can't afford to to offer it
1: with high quality care with high quality care so i'll put the link in in the comments in the chat sections uh but it's something that i you know we we have to address more as you know an organization as a company as a country as a state of how are we going to make sure we're providing the proper reimbursements for the proper level of care that enables our older adults to get the care they deserve not need but deserve
0: completely different and can afford and can afford yes so yeah let's be clear not everyone had the same uh correct lucky breaks in life sometimes to Mm -hmm. be able to afford some of the the luxury senior care so so that was it that was uh, nice quick down and dirty I think we gotta
1: talk more about affordability but uh you know andrew thank you so much for coming on um, it's totally fantastic. No, it was great. No. So Catherine, we have I'm something forward. coming up here, I think in September, we don't we? Do, if I you think, don't already know I about it, collaboration
0: do. and aging national event in Denver, Colorado, September 27th and 28th. We are talking to people across the entire senior care continuum at this event. So this event is for everybody, home health, home care, hospice, older adults, senior living, skilled nursing, rounding doctors. Anything. Andrew.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Anybody that touches aging.
0: Providing new technologies, new sorts of approaches to medication and and healthcare. Um, Please come because we are all about breaking the mindset of status quo. Yep. So when you walk in, we want you to take everything you think you know about your industry or field, set it aside. Set it. Then, I say
1: chuck it because we got to really, right. you I know, like we got to really shake it up a little bit. I here. like that. So I we're like going to, we're going to chuck Join it. us. It's going to be a lot of fun. And yeah, September 27th and
2: 28th.
0: And register soon. We have about, I think, five or six weeks left on oh, our right, early um, super early bird pricing. So get out there and get the super early that's bird right. pricing That's right.
1: That's right. So uh yeah, thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Catherine. This is a lot of fun being in person. It's been a while. So that, really appreciate you great. coming down here, Andrew, and, you know, braving the in-person uh podcast <laughs> video. So <laughs> Well, thanks everybody. Stay tuned. We have some amazing guests coming up here as we continue to focus on bright spots and really showcase that this industry is in an impactful revolution.